Their charm is non-existent. Years ago, they worked in radio. Today, they don't remember a moment of it. They are the only grown men ever to fail a preschool spelling test. Every time they go for a swim, women and children run for their lives. Alien abductors return them to Earth with the words, we do not understand, tattooed on their foreheads. If they were to give you directions, you'd end up at the closest pub, no matter where you really wanted to go. Their smell precedes them, the way a fart precedes watering eyes. They are the most interesting men in podcasting. Hey everybody and welcome to the show. Welcome to the Mojo Radio Show, the big red bus we call the Mojo Radio Show, the big red bus traveling true north to help you find your mojo in and out of work. What do we do here? We just find people we think are interesting. We chat to them, extract their tips, their tools, their opinions, stuff that we can steal, use, plagiarize to put into our own worlds to help get our mojo working. Uh, This week, another crack, in fact, a just a terrific guest this week, another cracker on the show. Uh, before we do that, we should say hello to the driver, the man behind the wheel, the big red bus, wearing the top hat and tails. Uh, Robbo, <laughs> welcome this week. How are you going, mate? Your eyes watering yet? <laughs> <laughs> I, I gotta say, this is this is a very good social experiment. It is, isn't it's it? It's gone all good. All good. Have you got some news? Well, all positive can come from this. So Mm. here's the background, folks. At the head of the show, as we do, as we call it here in the radio land, (laughs) podcast world, we played a promo, which was very well done. I mean, you and AP did a very, very good job of promoting us as the most interesting men in podcasting. The Mm. backstory, if you are new to the show and you've just downloaded us for the first time, is that we've been running an experiment here for the last, what, maybe four weeks? Yeah, thereabouts. Yeah, we dumped Corona, right? Because we had been running a experiment with Corona for four years. It got nothing. <laughs> but within four weeks, our good friends at Doseki heard oh. what we were doing on the air, liked what we were doing no on way. the air, did not want us to stay thirsty, my friend. Right. And they were in touch this week and said there are a couple of cartons on the way to the studio. <gasps> we're on a promise. Uh, mate, oh, this is tell you what. Bridgie Didge, Fair Dinkum. Awesome. We are just waiting for the Doseki truck to arrive to deliver two cartons of Doseki to the most interesting men in podcasting from the most interesting beer in the world. Absolutely. I mean, we don't always drink beer. But here in the studio, when we do, (laughs) from now this day forward, we shall be drinking Dos Equis. Absolutely. Stay thirsty, my friends. Stay thirsty, my friends. In fact, we're always thirsty. Isn't that good, though? That's so cool. So, so someone's listening out there. That's, that's well, the first good thing to come from that. <laughs> and that's the lesson is that if you are in touch with your brand, if you go right back to what sits behind this, the marketing warfare, if you are starting a brand, whether you are introducing a brand in the growth phase or you are an established brand, one of the first things you need to do when you're doing a strategy is to map the battlefield. And mapping the battlefield needs to know who your competitors, how they're positioned, what's happening in your category, but also be aware of what's happening out with the voices in the marketplace. And you can do it quite easily these days through having your eyes and ears open and social. These guys, I don't know how they did it, but they obviously did it, heard what we were doing, liked it. And for the sake of just a couple, and this is not an advertising plug, folks, this was just an experiment 
because we wanted some free beer. <laughs> <laughs> well, gotta love free beer. Hey, you know what we need to do next? You know that George Thorogood song, One Bourbon, One Scotch and One Beer? <laughs> <laughs> we need to hop onto Johnny Walker and Jack Daniels oh, next. That is funny. Yeah. Well, I know Johnny Walker and his brothers Blackie and Red and uh, his good drinking bunny Jimmy Beam. So awesome. we should uh, spread the word. Let's get it out there. Check out oh, what a flare, what a flare. Brown Richmond, 96 double. <laughs> hey, it's Dr. Jen Welter, first female coach with the Arizona Cardinals. If I've ever met two guys who should definitely wear helmets, it's Robbo and Gary. The Mojo Radio Show. We've had a lot of Laurens on the show lately. We have, and I've got to say, this lady is super impressive. I The backstory is I was sitting at home watching Channel 9 and I saw an interview on one of the morning programs. Since when do you watch morning television? Well, no, I had it on the background for whatever reason because I catch my news from the television and uh, Lauren Handel Zander was the guest on one of the morning programs. And what really caught my ear was Lauren is the author of a new book called Maybe It's You, Cut the Crap, Face Your Fears, Love Your Life. And I went, that's just such a cool cool title for a book. And that really is in the lane of the Mojo Radio Show, helping people to sort of face up to what's going on and get your mojo working in, out of work. We don't really want a lot of crap. And I thought, well... That's probably the perfect topic for the Mojo Radio Show. I got in touch with Lauren and I've got to say I'm delighted to introduce Lauren to the show. Lauren, welcome to the Mojo Radio Show. Thank you. I've been looking forward to this. When when people meet you and ask you what you do on a day-to-day basis, what do you normally tell them? Uh, First line is, well, I'm pretty funny. So I go, I work with people and I help them face their lives and design their lives, right? And then... I go deeper and I describe what I do as I do three things. I am a spiritual accountant. (laughs) I'm coming to do your books. (laughs) I am a spiritual lawyer. After I do your books and help you figure out how to clean them all up, I am a lawyer. I will put you in the right spiritual contracts. And then from time to time, I am a spiritual dentist. Yeah, you need root canal. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, that would be by far the most interesting answer to that question we've ever had in almost 150 shows. What I find interesting, Lauren, to kick us off is you have this you've you have this deep love of understanding people's stories and you seem to have a deep desire to help people to get what they want from life. Where where does this come from? Where do you trace this back to? Uh Watching my parents not be great with each other, like like from the youngest of age, you know, I watched people suck, right? Like, why did you say that? Why did you not say anything? Why did you, like, what? Right? Why are these, like, why is this the news? Right? Like, what? So from the earliest, really the earliest of age, I was outraged at how um, dysfunctional everything was as if I understood it. Like there was always a better way. There really was a better way. That's quite, it's quite intuitive, isn't it? For at a young age. Now that I'm, you know, now that I'm close to 50, right. And I've had like a lot of my career, like, and I've had enough success, you know, I can now go back to that six-year-old and go, Oh, she kind of knew what was going on. Right. Like she mm. had something up. Right. 
Mm. Uh, took this long to look back at that little girl and go, she wasn't an idiot or she wasn't crazy. But um, it's true now. Now I can claim her. I read somewhere you wrote, it was more of a statement. You said, maybe it's me. And the answer is always yes. Just, I've been thinking about this for a couple of weeks since we sort of connected up and agreed to chat today. And what I guess what's been on the back of my mind is that that can be a very hard pill to swallow. It must be challenging and confronting for us to face up to the fact that, you know what, we, we keep pointing the finger, but the real thing is that it's really, it, it is us. How do people face up to that, Lauren? You know, most people that finally will come find me or will find, you know, this service or look for that book are at their wits end about some area of their life, right? So when you're desperate enough, the concept that maybe it's me is actually a relief. Like it must be me because I've tried everything else. That isn't me. I blamed you. I did that. Like, so, so when people finally are willing to accept that, uh, that's when I can help, right? And so anything that's great in your life is because of you. And anything mm-hmm. that is not great in your life is because of you. And anything you want to change in your life, therefore, can only be changed by you. And that's, that's not really a hard sale. It's not really a hard sale. It's a confronting sale. But what's nice about that that I hear is that you're also – it's about you, but also I don't know that people actually recognize or congratulate themselves for what's great because I suspect quite often people are going, if it's great, it was luck or it was great because of somebody else or it was just timing or I, I fell into it. It really wasn't me. I was just, I happened to be there. So there's also the responsibility of what's I, great and or if it's not right, really fixing, shocked. You know, the more I am successful, the more I get to coach more successful people. And um, they do not, the, the joke that I make, which is not a very funny joke, but it's a way to look at how well do you know yourself? And then you answer this, que- you, you face this question. Do you live life like I am? And then fill in the blank. Or do you live life like, am I, question mark? Am I good at, am I? Right? Or Mm. I am, right? And even the most famous people in the world who have no reason to doubt certain aspects of their life at all still feel lucky, still feel like it all can be taken away because they're not, I am this. They're proving that they are that. And then it always stays in a question form like, but what did I do lately? What do I have to do next? Like they're never, they never arrive. That's gold. gold. Absolute gold. It's a gold reflection in that there mirror, my friend. <laughs> as long as it's not a golden mirror ball. It's not a blue man, it's a gold man. Um, <laughs> Lauren, your, your work talks a lot about people being true to themselves. And this is something we've had, I guess, is a little bit of a thread through our show for almost 150 episodes as we... We, we get back to what gives people mojo in and out of work. And I've heard you talk about having truthful conversations with ourselves. Where do we start with that? Like what, just give me the, break that down for me. We finished the show. We decided to find a quiet spot under a tree and have that truthful conversation. How, give me the stepping stones. How do we do that? Uh, make a lie list 
and then and then lies you've resolved and lies you've never told, like lies you're going to the grave with, like start to face the way you lie, the way you withhold information. Mm-hmm. Like I have the seven different ways a person lies, right? And and our inability to face our own dark side um, keeps that inner voice a mystery, a convenient mystery. Right. So we're always posturing for potentially our vices or whatever we're, you know, don't have to ever say to someone, ask for. Right. So the vo- our true voice would have to tell the whole truth. And we've been not telling the whole truth our whole lives in the name of being nice, in the name of I don't want to hurt someone, in the name of, you know, they'll leave me. Right. You know, so there's a variety of reasons we have we can defend our ability to lie. Yeah. But if you want to really meet your maker, like meet yourself, stop hiding your lies from yourself. Like actually put them down on one piece of paper, right? And see how many sheets you need. And then what you would find is you could categorize yourself into a type of liar, right? You really, you know, you don't do all the types. You do three of them. And then if you start to go, what are the difficult conversations? What, like, what am I protecting, managing, and never letting go of? That's where, that's really how you face yourself. And most people, you know, what, does that not sound like fun? <laughs> <laughs> I think we're going to buy a 240-page spiral bound book for ours, Robert. Yeah, <laughs> I was going to say. Oh, oh. <laughs> you know, one of the ways I realized this deeply was um, how much I, felt disconnected from my parents. Even after I moved out, I was a grown up. Like I felt disconnected from my parents and didn't really like them. And there was no reason not to love them. Right. Like there really was no reason they weren't going to try and, you know, manage my sex, drugs and rock and roll anymore. Right. Uh, and they weren't managing my money anymore, but like the, what was disconnected was that I still had this long laundry list of lies and ways I you know, never connected with them or they didn't really know me. And to top it off, I blamed them. And so the first big difficult conversation I had was I sat my parent, I sat my mother down first and really just said, mom, I'd like to come clean with you about everything I've hid from you. Everything I've thought, everything I've done, everything I'm ashamed of. Like, I'd like to just come clean. So there's nothing left that is in the, like that is hidden in my past with you. And, you know, uh, and then I did that with my father and you should understand I have a Jewish Orthodox father, Mm. right? And I was not managing my self-preservation. I was managing being true to myself and being able to stand by everything I did so that I wasn't managing shame or posturing to manipulate. And that was one of the most liberating moments that I stayed true to with everyone else, you know, some degrees I failed and then had to go back and tell the truth. But over the next, you know, that's literally the difference between having a great relationship that's intimate and really dealing. And most people are posturing in their relationships. It's such a nice way to frame it. Lauren, I love that when you said, I'd like to come clean. And I'm guessing that it's having those honest conversations with people that matter to you, whether it be somebody in leadership role in business or family or friends or the other thing that was occurring to me as you were saying that was sitting yourself down with a blank piece of paper and saying I'd like to come clean with myself because I just think it's a really nice oh. way to frame getting it out 
Like, you know, you hear people yeah. say, oh, what you see is what you get. Oh, I'm brutally honest and you can't handle the truth, all this sort of stuff. But just to say, you know what, it's just time to come clean. It just gives me a, a sense that it's time. I really want to be honest. I really want to lay this out. That's a beautiful framework for me. Yeah, and then you could start to understand that if you're hiding information about yourself and managing perception, how is that an example of true self-love, right? If you love yourself, you could stand by even the dumbest things you've ever done, right? Mm -hmm. Self-love is really an unconditional acceptance of whatever you did and didn't do, right? You're not, and then you're not bound to the past by still hiding the secret. And so people don't understand the profound like dysfunction that creates in your relationship with yourself. Based on your experience, your past, where you are now, you are having great success with your book. You're well sought after in the media world. How often are you having these conversations with yourself? Because it would be fair to say that even having written the book, done the research, doing the work you do, you would still have that dark voice from time to time, that voice of doubt, that imposter syndrome that we all suffer from, I suspect. There's great momentum behind what you're doing, but there's also the flip side of somebody listening who's in quite a dark place where they are, whether they know it or not, they they know their mojo's not working. They know they've got these, these skeletons hiding in the closet. They want to come clean with themselves. Tell me the the way, what's the audit? How often should these conversations happen? Is it something you sit down quietly every every week or so? Is it a monthly thing? Is it, do you think it should happen 24-7? Well, the first round and what will happen in the book is there really is triage, right? Like the current reality you're in has a variety of places where you don't feel comfortable telling the truth or you never, and it's not the truth, it's your truth. Right. And the, the other person doesn't know your truth, hasn't, you know, poured a pitcher of beer over your head if that's what you deserve. Right. Like that, like there, there really is getting your karma handled on the court. Right. Learning your lessons today. There really is. Mm. If you stick your hand in fire, you don't do it again. If you're still lying about something, you've never gotten in real trouble so that you learn to stop it. Right. It, it really if you've never learned. Right. If you have a vice that's still rolling, everyone, you know, you're getting away with it somehow. So there really is a list of where you suffer. Right. And you have to check your vices. So it's usually food, alcohol, sex. Right. Or or keeping in a relationship, you know, like someone happy that you really aren't happy with yourself. Right. So there's a variety of places to check on where you're in pain and suffering. Or because you're 40 pounds overweight, you haven't gotten laid in nine months, right? So like you start to connect certain dots because you're only making this amount of money, you haven't been able to, you know, and you haven't gotten your ambition together about your career. So then you're really suffering about your money situation, mm. right? So there, there, there really is pinpoint the two to three areas of your life out of the 12 areas of life I lay out in the book that if you really do the triage on those and figure out how to have what I call personal integrity, like what is the right promise that you need to be keeping in that area, that would change your life. What I have never found an individual who needs a hundred promises. They need five repeating daily. 
right? Like you, if I was going to change your life radically, I'm not looking for a whole revamp. There's these six relationships you're lying in that you need to fix and figure out how to say it so you don't, you know, lose the relationship completely and you tell the truth. Then there really is this area in your life where you're mostly suffering. Is it your body? Is it money? Is it your sex life? Like what's up with that? And then how are you going to fix it? And then, you know, and then what do you need to be doing daily? So you love yourself. You like yourself. It's fun to be you. I can figure that the book will help you figure that out pretty quickly. Humans are not that complicated. And we make our problems much worse because we're not going to fix that two to three things that if we fixed it, we would be so much happier with ourselves. I've, I've heard you say that quite often, if somebody won't do the things that you've just mentioned in this conversation, you'll fire them. So you'll fire, you'll fire the client. It just, and <laughs> I, I find it quite encouraging really, because I think people, I, I just, I've just got the sense that people are pussyfooting around all these issues you know, you sit on a board and you, you've got to be really politically correct with what you say. You can't just lay it out and you can't just get after it. The same thing whether you're working in a workplace or talking to somebody. It must be the people that stay with you, Lauren, they must find it quite refreshing to have somebody who will just lay it out and say, look, here's how it is. You're overweight. You're not getting any. You're just not going anywhere. You're making crap excuses. Let's just get this done. Let's just make some changes right now. Yeah. Is that is that part of the success for you? It's a hundred percent. It's like I make it simple, right? And it actually is frighteningly simple, right? The the person who's forty pounds overweight that is enough to make you miserable. You can't. The, if I get you to check into your own inner dialogue and start to get you to hear how much you talk about food, how much you're always trying to appeal, like you're you're in a drama because you're trying to get a cookie right? You're hating your job so you can go downstairs and get, right? Like you, no one realizes how much it's all connected to the vices or the thing that's causing you the most pain and how your inner dialogue it is no friend of yours. And so my, all I have to do is get a person to track their inner dialogue in an area they're suffering, whether it's getting a job, uh, losing weight, uh, finding love, right? Uh, telling the truth in a, in a work situation, right? It isn't that they don't, it, it's everything else that's all connected that they're scared of. And mm-hmm. I swear to God, there's a cocktail at the end of the night. You'd be amazed if I take away the cocktail, if you don't have that conversation, how many conversations people will have. Why, why are we putting ourselves last, Lauren? I don't understand why people will put a client first at work. They'd never let down the client, but they let themselves down. They'll go through their diary and they'll try and please everybody in the workplace, but they'll let themselves down. And we are, as a society, we're overweight, we're unfit, we're unhealthy. We seem to be lacking in lots of these areas of our life. Why Why are we putting ourselves last? Why is the human species a bit lazy and blaming? Lazy, you just described lazy and blaming rather than frightening and confronting and the hard work, right? It, what would you rather do? Lay on the couch, watch TV, or go for a run, right? I, you know, I still don't win the right answer to that one. I just know which one makes me happy. Is there Tim Tams on the couch? There, there, <laughs> I think if you're starving on the couch, you might be okay. <laughs> 
<laughs> he doesn't need to be starving eat Tim Tams. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's like certain trades you can make, but if you like to eat, you better go for a run before you get on the couch. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So, you know, I I don't think we can wait for instant gratification to not be lazy. You know, what would you rather have, an apple or a piece of cheesecake? What would you rather do, get to work at 11 o'clock or 8 a.m.? Right? So you, it doesn't take much to bait a human being to be lazy and underachieving. It's way more difficult to um, break out of your own laziness, or I'll even call it fear, and fight for that you're worth it. And um, the other thing I usually say is once I get you in a full-blown habit, right? Like really you're changing habits, right? So, you know, think of it this way. If I, if I said every morning you get up at 5 a.m. and you meditate for 20 minutes and then go for a run, I'll give you $10,000. Do you have any idea how many people would sign up for that? Right? They're like, sure, I'm in. You got that. Right. I don't, you know, and then how many days they would make sure they did it right before they felt rich enough to take a Sunday off. We don't have the incentive on, on our own self-respect, right? We have like, if you throw money at it, I might get to work. So there's something really twisted about being proud of ourselves. That isn't sexy enough. Like $10,000 is sexy. It's half time on the Mojo Show. And time to pause for a cause. I'm Cody Pullman, and a cause I really care about is Crestbridge. They aim to match students from low income households with top universities and provide them with full financial aid so that they can be successful. If you want to learn more or donate, look up Questbridge.org. The Mojo Radio Show. Simmer down, you noisy, screaming thing. You said at the start of the show that we need to get more in touch with ourselves and be honest and have these honest conversations. How does one know they've found their authentic self? And the reason I say that, Lauren, is you hear a lot of podcasters and bloggers and people writing books talking about finding your true self, finding your authentic self, having true conversations. At what point, or is there a point where you can honestly know that you found your authentic self and now it's just about tweaking and making that that personification you have yourself better because I just suspect that some people just keep seeking and figure they'll they never find it in which case they're never really satisfied they're never really grateful and they just figure there's always something else on the other side of the rainbow is, is there a point where you kind of can know that this is this is the real you I think that unless you fully can talk about and face your dark side and how it lives in you um, versus uh, posturing and making sure everybody thinks you're the best or that you've got it all covered. Like, I, you know, so the, the reason I never have to worry about being true to myself is that I never stop telling on my dark side, my negative thoughts, my fears, um, how I would, you know, eat all of my vices. You have yours, I have mine, right? I... There is, there is why I, you know, there's just everything I'm doing that gets in the way of my dream, 
right? And I can always talk about it and I can always integrate my dark side and my fears and what I'm scared of with, you know, getting over myself and being true to my aspirations. But being able to be integrated about knowing they both exist and that you're fighting, you know, inner peace all the time. Like if you tell me you're not fighting for inner peace and if you don't know what your voice is saying and if you don't know how it messes with you, then I'm not going to think you're that present. You've just joined some dots for me and I'm, I'm going to try and lay, lay this out. Help me with this, Lauren. But I heard Tara Brock talk about the Buddha and she talked about the Buddha facing up to Mara and Mara was all the dark things we've talked about, that that voice of doubt, the dark place, the, just not a nice person. And the Buddha was sitting under a tree and people were scared of Mara. And instead, Buddha said, Mara, I see you. Come, let us have tea. And Tara's story was about the fact of, and what's just joined the dots in my mind is we fear this dark place. We fear this dark voice. But what you're saying is to know your true authentic self is to, to, to actually see Mara, see the darkness, but say, you know what? I can see you. I can entertain you. Come and let's have tea together. Because now that I acknowledge you and I know it's there, I can deal with it as opposed to running away from it or trying to ignore it. If, 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 am I joining the dots the right way, <laughs> Lauren? Help me yeah. with it. Is this is, is that a powerful part of getting to know yourself? I think it's the only way to love yourself. Is that what's because it even the the part that goes even more interesting and deeper is what is truly dark in you, like your drinking habit, the way you check out women, the way you do this, the way, the way you, the way your mind engages, um, that you didn't ask for it to. (laughs) Okay. Like, no, you did not sign up for that. Right. Mind chatter. Right. It was there. It's there. It sees the world through, you know, some of the deadly sins. Right. And so what, what I want you to go even deeper on connecting to is whatever that inner dialogue is, you know, it's your parents, it's their parents. It goes back to the beginning of time, right? You are not having just your own new thoughts. That, that monkey brain of yours, that voice in there, that dark side has, is your father's dark side, is your grandfather's dark side comes, mm. you know, it comes from all the secrets and all the willingness and all the karma that never got cleaned up. Right. So it, it's way profound to hear your own voices mm. and to start to go, gosh, what are you up to? Right. Hello. Right. And they don't go anywhere. Right. They're just wait. You know, my joke is it's a catch 22. The day I don't need an exercise promise. Is the day I will make it about two weeks before I stop exercising and gain 10 pounds. Mm. Now, I'm on year 17 of an exercise promise. Do you understand? I need a promise and a consequence for something that I do reliably 17 years. The day I take the promise out is a scary day in my life. The day people don't stop at a stop sign would be a scary day, right? Like, so they're, so, but who wants to, right? You you know what I mean? Like, you know, that (laughs) stop sign, you know, that stop sign you want to call, you know, you want to like slide through because it's not a big deal, right? And you know, you can see everything, right? But do you stop at the stop sign, right? Or do you glide all the way through, right? I have to, do you know, I need to tell myself to stop at every stop sign still, I am not waiting to the day Lauren has integrity with stop signs. (laughs) 
And, and I, and that's just like, how do I know my dark side? Did you hear it? it? Even at the smallest level, right? I need to make sure I brush my teeth twice a day because I'm kind of a once a day and mouthwash at night. That's disgusting. What's the big, do I really not have the three minutes? That's a great hack though. So it, it's just, I'm a jerk, right? I know I'm, I know my jerk, right? My jerk has been trying to get out of brushing her teeth for her whole life, right? So from the small, what do you think I'm trying to get out of in my marriage? What am I trying to get out of with my kids? What am I trying to get out of at work? What am I trying to get out of with self-care? Meet my, and then the nickname I give it in the book is my brat, my variation of being a brat an entitled child, Mm. right? Trust me, she would like to be in charge of snacks at night. How old do I sound? (laughs) Lauren, (laughs) is social media and general distraction like that? Do we fall upon that as a reason not to have these conversations with ourselves? Like we figure if we keep ourselves busy and we keep ourselves distracted, it's almost an excuse for the brat not to have to face up to these conversations. Yes. First answer is yes. I mean, the amount I now need to manage people not wasting their life and thinking that they're productive by being engaged in social media is disturbing. Mm-hmm. Right? It's like taking television away from an 11-year-old. Right? Like right? The, the amount we're not engaged in what would matter in our lives or even what we wish we could learn, right? It it just, and what did you do? How much time did you spend on Facebook or Instagram or reading people like having, like, why, why, what did it accomplish in your actual life? Right. And so I, I get, I could get a little indignant (laughs) on what a waste of like, really? You've got to be kidding, right? I, it makes sense for my 13-year-old who's on Snapchat, right? Like she's engaging and playing with her friends and I would like to get her off. But how do you explain that for my 50-year-old husband who's like managing his like hour looking at Instagram? Like, <laughs> really? We've, we've always had distraction though, haven't we? I mean, you know, we, it's very easy to sit here and say social media, oh, it's such a distraction, but there's always been distraction in our life, right? I don't think it ever felt like purpose, right? Like, I don't think it was disguised. Like you knew you were mind numbing if you were watching, you know, television or what, what, you know, binging on shows. Hmm. Right. But now you think you're being connected to people, right? You actually think you're, you're intimate. Right. So I don't know. It's in your pocket though. I mean, it's back in the day, you had to get off the couch and go and turn the TV channel. We had to go and find some to be distracted with, or you had to go and find someone else to talk to, but now it's in your pocket. I mean, now, in fact, it's not even in your pocket. Now you just see people walk around the street. It's in their hand. They're staring at it, and it's a slighter thing. You've only got to move two millimetres. It's the new addiction. It's the new one, right? It's really, it's, you know, it's competing with porn. <laughs> and now you got Robbo's attention. I was um, going to say. Lauren, what's the... What's the greatest fear with doing this? I completely buy into what you're saying. I think it's a conversation that has to be had. I'm just wondering with the research you've done, the people you work with and your view upon doing this, what is the greatest fear that we face in doing this? That if you told the truth about what you're lying about, you would blow up things in your life that are irreparable, right? Like people really have a creepy list. 
right? And they're planning to go to the grave with it. And the, the thing they never get is that, you know, they really don't understand there's two peas in a pod. Like, I know you think you're different than your wife or your husband or your business partner, but uh, birds of a feather flock together. And I, I swear to bejesus that the two of you belong together. And it's a lot less shocking. Wait to wait till you hear their list. Mm. Right. Like if you have a list, you know, they have a list. Right. We can start there. Right. So to get a person to face they're not the, like, I'm going to the grave, I'm the devil, I did terrible things. And to go, I want to be forgiven, or I want to be, or if someone really loves me, they would forgive me or understand me, or I really should be known as who I am, not as some fake me, right? So to get a person to actually give a hoot about being true to themselves is one of the hardest sales, especially when you have boogeymen in your closet. I... And mindful of our time this morning, one thing that I did want to ask you about, which I thought was really powerful in your writings and the things you talk about, Lauren, is the dream protocol. And I'd like to just spend the last part of our show just talking about dreams because it's something I completely buy into. Can you just explain the dream protocol? So I break life out into 12 different areas and I ask you to write a dream in each of the areas, like separate out, you know, money from your career, from your sex life, from your spiritual life, like separate these things out and really talk on behalf of that area of your life, which is also in and of itself something people don't do, right? Like, oh, there's all these areas of life. Fun and adventure in learning is an area of life. Like what do you wish was happening in that area of your life? So imagine that I now make you think you should be dreaming or having a vision for yourself in all these different areas. And then I ask you to write it um, in first person as if it already happened, right? I'm married to the greatest man ever, right? But you're not, you haven't been on a date in three months, okay? So I ask you to start to develop and believe in a state of reality you want to create. And what you find is that people are, I I can't even explain how bad people are at this. Mm. Like I just explained the instructions. You understand how to get an A, right? Like, oh yes, I just made it very clear, right? You may or may not find the exercise valuable or not, but now sit down and do it. Guess what? They can't. No, it's it's actually profound. People don't do a very good job lying. They want to go, I finally find a man who's good enough. Right? Does that sound, that is not inspiring. And you can hear how much she hates men. Right? In that sentence. (laughs) Right? So. Sounds like my wife. Right? Like, finally, I lose the weight. Right? I get a job I like. Right? What? Right. So people don't know how to dream. And then when you ask them to dream, you can hear all their their ups, all their cavities. Right. You, you and and that's how I really begin the process of dealing with healing, how sad and hurt you've been from the hauntings and everything you've ever been through in your life where you don't even believe you have you're entitled to truly dream. OK, so. I'm going to give you a question in three parts. And I just need you to qualify this for me in my head and then give me some explanation. 
I I buy into the dream protocol. Am I essentially categorizing my dreams to allow me to dream about my relationships, my family, partner, uh, lifestyle, work, community, whatever's in my dreams. I break it into pieces and I categorize it and dream about those pieces in a future tense. Where do I store that dream or where do you store your dreams? Is it just a, a visual thing in your mind? Do you journal? Do you have a picture board? And then the last part of this very long question is how often do I check in and is there a protocol for checking in on your dream protocol? So, what I have a person do is I have them write out the, you know, 12 different dreams for each area of life. Then I ask you to rate your, your current life against that dream. And I give you a rating scale. It's kind of funny, a little snarky, right? Uh, but really kind of accurate way to look at, would you give yourself, you know, a six in your sex life, right? And here's the dream. And then based on this dream, what would you rate your current life? And then please explain why you gave it that rating, Mm. right? And that's where you blame the kids and you blame your husband gained weight and you blame this and you blame that. Like you blame everything that's really there for you as to why you gave yourself a six. And then what happens is the work of the year, like your work for the year, is to go from a six to an 8.5. And I show you four other examples of people moving different areas of their life from a four to an 8.5. And it really is a series of taking actions and facing those dreams. So you do read your dream, but mostly what happens is once you fall in love with a dream that you're really committed to and you want to get it from, you know, your current rating of a four to a seven or a nine whatever you think you can get to, depending on how much money you need to save, depending on like you start to engage in the dream and turn it into reality. And reality lives as specific promises that forward the dream. So you, so you could read the dream over and over, but really you don't even have to worry about reading the dream over and over because you're going to the gym. You're, you're being true to the dream Mm -hmm. by taking the right actions and keeping the right promises to yourself. And then you don't just keep them to yourself. You get a buddy, you get someone, you put in promises and consequences. You create a structure that has integrity so that you actually are being true to your dream. More gold, Roy. Cha-ching. <laughs> now, two two things before we before I throw it Robo for the big question of the whole interview, Lauren. Um, you teach at Stanford Business School. Yes. I be curious to know what's the what's the one idea or concept or thought that you believe is the most important thing for a young leader to take away from the Stanford Business School right now. It's something that you know what if I got to work with a young leader, guy or girl, here's the most important thing I think they need to know to set up their career. Uh, they all of them I am not kidding, um, are so out for what they look like in life, like the outside world, not the inside world, right? So the amount of people who are like literally sitting in there engaged and not in deep love, 
but they're marrying the right person and it looks good on paper and it, and, and they believe it's good for them, but are they crazy? And like the amount those people are, are posturing for pretense mm. um, and really to make it in their families or to make it in society is um, devastating because they're the smartest brains going, but they're not working for their hearts. Mm. Right. So, so, you know, my course there, you know, what, when I, when I start the course, I would literally go from last year, three, if you're not willing to break off your engagement, if you're not deeply in love or you already cheated on your person, right? If you're not willing to tell the truth about that, you're going to work for your father and you don't really want to, if you're not willing to face like, who are you and what do you most want out of life? You should leave. Don't take this class. It will mess you up. (laughs) (laughs) I liked it. Oh, man, you fit so well with this show, Laura. Absolutely. Um, We should get her as co-host, I think. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I've got one final thing. I love this and I've got no idea what it means, but it just sounds super cool. You said karma is not my job. And I I just think it's the coolest line. Can you run that for me? What, what's, what's the meaning or theme behind that? Karma is not my job. So in my history of building the company and over the years of getting hurt, you know, by, or being betrayed or, you know, just bad things can happen to a cute little pioneer, right? Um, and what was the biggest lesson I ever learned, like in how to let go of being hurt or offended or that I didn't get something, right, especially with another person, um, was that karma is not my job, right? Like I have to do my part and that, what, and that I can trust karma, right? I don't have to like go sue that person. I don't have to, like, I don't have to like be in charge of karma, right? I can let karma do its job. And, and so over time I have discovered that karma is is brilliant right and it's way you know and it and it happens in time and i didn't need to do anything to help it happen or at all other than be true to myself right because you know i right so it 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 was more is you got it so that that was interesting because i think a lot of people who pioneer businesses and really build something end up with a very serious list of wanting to punish people or be offended by people like there, I don't have to do any of that. Right. I could just let life is more than enough. So it was, it was from that vein. You, you fit with the show so beautifully, Lauren, because you are smart. You've got this rock and roll side to you. You straight up and you, you seem the, the stuff you've talked about has been absolute, absolute gold. I'm wondering for you personally, with where you are, how you view things, the research you've done, and how you've observed others, how does Lauren deal with your own voice of self-doubt? I would rather stay home, play with my kids, and paint. And my, you, Do you understand? I love my home life. So, you know, um, I recently did a PBS special. And um, if you, you don't know me, but if you knew me, you would understand that the concept of me learning how to read a teleprompter, right? One is my whole history is I'm a terrible public reader. Like I have to read, like I, I'm insecure about 
reading. Right. Like, so I, I, you know, I could tell you funny stories about that. I bet I have a learning disability. Right. So that's one. So not only did I have to learn to read a teleprompter ready for this other silly thing, I actually get car sick. Do you understand the teleprompter? So I am not yeah, yeah. only reading, I'm not only reading, but it's moving. <laughs> okay. <laughs> right. Wow. And, and so my dream was on the other side of not only being able to get good at reading to the point where you don't even know I'm reading to the point where you don't know it's moving to the point where I can't get car sick. And I have to deal with all of my fears of, you know, like it was a, I I spent six months engaged in my fears and killing them. So um, I'm, I'm always in a state of kicking some things, butt, or else I would not be. How? How, how do you do, how do you do that? How do you kick its butt? Well, first you trail the inner dialogue, right? Like there really is the voice in there that is your PhD in fear or whatever it's saying to you. I can't do this. Someone else should, I'm getting too old. Like some, like, like first you just trail the, the thoughts. I, you know, I do this other really interesting thing that I love that is part of the method, but it's a little advanced, uh, is, Okay, you asked. Um, I, <laughs> Here it comes, I, watch out. Yeah, we did ask. So when, whenever I want to break out of something that's a trait or a way I think, I create a scale from one to ten. Ten is freedom, one is I suck. Okay? And I go, like, what is my inner dialogue? all the way up to the, all the way up to an eight to a, like, do you understand? Like every state, every number is a state of being. It's a state of action. It's a, it, it says something, it feels something and it, and it does something. Right. So I teach states of being and I go, there's spiritual integrity, emotional integrity, and physical integrity. Physical, physical integrity is what you're doing. Emotional is how you feel about it. And spiritual integrity is what you're saying to yourself. So I am always teaching myself to scale from my, you know, um, I'll call it lower self to higher self by developing language of how, what it would say if I was there what it would feel if I was there. What would I think if I was there? I'm constantly engaging my mind to think, not just idle with stupid thoughts. So it's a little neuro-linguistic <laughs> in its way, isn't it? I mean, I, I, I like it. It's, it's, your, <laughs> it's your straight up kick butt version of neuro-linguistic programming, isn't it? Well, I think that I'm certainly programming myself, but I'm inventing the program by telling yeah, on myself. Yeah, yeah. So I'm right. So I, I really don't know NLP, so I'm not a fair person no. to tell me that, right. So I don't know it at all. But that's but it really is I literally created a scale of loving doing the the tr- practicing for PBS. Right. Like, where am I when I'm at the lowest? What am I saying to Mm. myself all the way up to a seven, eight, nine, ten? Yeah. Right. And then my sport is to get my head in gear to understand to go be there. Right. And and not to be insecure and not to not be having fun and not to be playing with, you know, and then I take care of myself. Right. Like I'll always have a coach. Right. I know what I like. Right. And so I'm not like a lone ranger stuck suffering ever. So good. Absolutely terrific. I, um, 
mindful of your time, Lauren, do you uh, do you have ninety seconds left? I have till five o'clock. Here we go. Here we go. Yeah. Robbo's Nifty 90. Do you think you're ready to face the Nifty 90? Oh, yes. Yes? Okay. I love that (laughs) answer. All right, here we go. Let's start the clock. What's three words that best describe yourself? Fierce, committed, and loving. Favorite treat? Uh, My sister's, uh, what are they called? Linzer tarts. What's one thing about writing a book that you weren't aware of before you started? Selling it. (laughs) (laughs) Hallelujah. I'm sure Gary will go with you on that one too. Um, Hallelujah. If you could get a plane ticket to anywhere in the world, where would you go and why? New Zealand. I want to see the trees. Uh, dogs or cats? What's your preference? Cats. Cats. Cat yeah. lady. <laughs> what was the last book you read? My own. What's your favourite time of the day? Mm, sunset. What's something that you regularly find your clients don't understand about themselves? That they're always talking smack. What's one movie you've watched more than twice? Uh, Groundhog Day. The best thing about your job? <laughs> Knowing people deeply. All right. And the big question, what's one song that really gets your mojo going? What's the one song that you turn to if you're feeling off for the day? What's the one song you'd turn on on your your iPod or your home stereo to get your mojo going? Patty Griffin, Nobody's Crying. Sometimes all we do is fall Somewhere on the steepest slope An endless rope And nobody's crying See, I love the answer to that question, Gaz. We always get something different. Do you know what's great about Lauren? There's a number of things that are great, which I'll wrap up with in a second. But Aww. what I love, Lauren, is that you you think about an answer and then you deliver it. So there's a – you can take so much from it because you, you consider something, you think through it, you process it, but then you deliver it with conviction, you deliver it with absolute certainty. And it's just something I've noticed through this interview. It's been an absolute joy and I there's no question people want to know more about you – and the book and your work, where where would you send people, Lauren? Uh, so Maybe It's You is the name of the book by Lauren Zander, Lauren Handel Zander. And my website is Handel Group, H-A-N-D-E-L Group, G-R-O-U-P dot com. And I mean, we have free courses and we have so much content and classes and all different prices. So anyone can get happy. Well, this has been an absolute treat. I I really have to say I've, I've, I've loved this interview as I knew I would, but I've loved it even more than I thought I would, Lauren. You're, um, you're just doing fantastic work. And this, it's just user, user-friendly. Like it's not just philosophical stuff. It's user-friendly. It's doable. Uh, and I think everyone should just check your stuff out on online because there is so much great stuff for making a difference in people's lives. And we know we know we need it. And there are some people who probably need it who don't know they need it, who should go and check it out anyway, because there's probably a lot under the surface. And uh it's just been um it's been great. And uh I think Robbo and I are gonna finish the interview and go into triage. Yes. <laughs> Do your lilas, boys. Absolutely. <laughs> Thank you so much for your time. It's been uh, it's been a real, real, real privilege. It was great, Lauren. Thanks. Thank you very much, guys. Wow. Thank you. The Mojo Radio Show. What was the name of that book again? Uh, the book is called Maybe It's You. Because <laughs> you know what I was thinking from the moment that you mentioned that is, remember this guy? What? Good old Shannon Knoll. <laughs> <laughs> what about, maybe it's you. Yeah, but what about me? That's right. What about me? There's a little kid waiting at the corner of the counter shop. What about me?
That is funny. <laughs> Have you checked your email this morning, Mulder? No, why? Because I received something unsettling and I wondered if you'd gotten it too. The Mojo Mailbag. So the postman's been knocking, has he? Yep. Before we wrap up this little shindig today, quickly from the mailbag, I got a note from Stephen during the week and he works for a company called Bullbeck, the Bullbeck Group, uh, long-time listener. And uh, just I got to say, I love I love getting letters or emails or stuff on LinkedIn posted. Stephen writes, uh, hi, guys. I hope all is good with you. I am still listening to the Mojo Radio Show every week. So you and Robbo must be doing something right as I have a short attention span for most things unless they are doing me some good. The Mojo is returning and last month has been very enjoyable. It's a small world. He goes on to say that he knows Peter Baines ah, as Bainesy. 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 Bainesy has been into his office to address his team on leadership. He also, which I, what I thought was really lovely, he, he loved Junior Bernard's interview, which was just a cracking show about mm. two or three shows back. And uh, he linked Bainesy with Junior Bernard, saying that Junior was a great example of purposeful resilience. Ooh. He's been doing his research. So I love that. And I uh, it gets our mojo working, Stephen. Good on you, buddy, for uh, sending through a note. So uh, that's from the mailbag this week. Nice one. God of rock, thank you for this chance to kick ass. The Mojo Radio Show's Lessons in Rock. Come on, Teach. What you got this week? This is a piece I heard on Quincy Jones. I heard an interview with the guy who had bumped into Quincy Jones at a gig In talking with Quincy, he said that he approaches problems as puzzles. And as I was driving along, I just stopped the podcast for a second and I thought about that. I thought, gee, it's such an interesting framing that when somebody or an issue arises that is seen as a problem, if you actually frame it in your mind as a puzzle, a puzzle means there are alternate solutions. You have to find different pieces to bring together novel approaches to try and fix a puzzle. But people see a problem as a problem. And I think the puzzle opens up the possibilities and then opens up your brain to say, well, I'm going to need to bring some pieces together. And there's got to be a different solution for this. And it's just a matter of trying different ways of doing something. So Quincy Jones being one of the great music producers of all times, when you start hearing his philosophic approach to problem solving and puzzles, I think that's what makes a great producer great. Oh, and, but look at the names he's worked with, Frank Sinatra, Michael Jackson, you know, God, the list just goes on and on and on and on. Imagine, I, there's someone we should get on the show. Quincy. <laughs> Quincy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, here's a stretch of the bow. I was walking into an ice rink uh, on Saturday evening and I wasn't going skating, but some people I was with was going in mm. and they were playing Will Smith and the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. And guess who was the producer of that TV series? That's uh, Quin- uh, Quincy. Quincy Jones. Absolutely. So our playout song this week is from the oh, Fresh I know where Prince you're going. of Bel-Air. And it's, uh, <laughs> it's a little bit of getting jiggy with it. There's another guy we should get on the show. Actor, singer. <laughs> well, uh, one thing that did come to mind as mm. I was walking away from this skate rink mm. is Jiggy mm. is one area of the show that we really haven't delved into. So my thought was in the coming weeks we do a special long-form show on the world of mojo and sex because we've mm. had 
Lauren, Anna, we've had a lot of people make reference to it mm. in lots of different ways, but yep. we've never really had a full show on it and got an expert in to sort of dig into it. So yep. I think that might be an assignment with us is to get a little bit jiggy with it on the show. I think we should. For four years, we've promised from the boardroom to the bedroom. We've never actually made it to the bedroom. So no, so <laughs> I'll start working idea. on that now. But in the meantime, here is Will Smith, a little bit of... We're out. On your mark, ready, set, let's go. Dance for pro. I know, you know, I go psycho when my new joint hit. Just can't sit. Gotta get jiggy with it. That's it. Now, honey, honey, come ride. TKNY, all up in my eyes. You gotta try to bag with a lot of stuff in it. Give it to your friend, let's spin. Everybody looking at me, glancing a kid. Wishing they was dancing a jig. Here with this handsome kid. Sick a cigar right from Cuba, Cuba. I just bite it. It's for the look. I don't light it. It'll weigh the ammo on the hands. Give it up, Jiggy, make it feel like foreplay. Yo, my cardio is infinite. <laughs> Big Willie Styles all in it. Getting jiggy with it. Getting jiggy with it. Getting jiggy with it. Getting jiggy with it. What? You on the ball with the kid? Watch your step, you might fall trying to do what I did. Mama, uh, mama, uh, I'ma come close by. In the middle of the club with the rubber dub. Uh, no love for the haters, the haters. Mad cause I got floor seats at the Lakers. See me on the 50-yard line with the Raiders. Met Ali, he told me I'm the greatest. I got the fever for the flavor of a crowd pleaser. DJ play another from the president's your highness. Only bad chicks riding my whip. South to the west, to the east, to the north. Bump my hips and watch them go off. But go off and get shit short And you don't stop In the winter order Summertime I mix it high Getting jiggy with them Getting jiggy with it Getting jiggy with it Getting jiggy with it 850 IS if you need a lift. Who's the kid in the drop? Who else? Will Smith. Living that life, some consider a myth. Rock from South Street to 125. Women used to tease me, give it to me now, nice and easy. Since I moved up like Georgia Weezy. Cream to the maximum, I'll be axing them. Would you like to bounce with your brother that's platinum? Never see Will attacking them. Rather play ball with shacking them, flatten them. Like getting. Thought I took a spell, but I didn't. Trust the lady of my life, she hitting. Hit her with a drop top. With the ribbon, crib for my mom on the outskirts of Philly. You trying to flex on me? Don't be silly. Getting jiggy with it. Getting jiggy with it. Getting jiggy with it. Getting jiggy with it.
The Mojo Radio Show is produced and recorded in the studios of Voodoo Sound. For more tips and tools to get your mojo working, check us out on Facebook at The Mojo Radio Show or online at themojoradioshow.com. For more about Gary, see garybirtwhistle.com or to polish your next audio or video production, check out voodoosound.com.au and for the right voice, realtimecasting.com. Andrew Peters speaking. See you next time.